0: Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. Hello and welcome, this is Liz Booker with the Literary Aviatrix Waypoint along our journey through stories featuring women in aviation, this one from Season 2, Episode 4, in my interview with Amy a Title about her book, Fighting for Space, Two Pilots and Their Historic Battle for Female Space Flight. This book is essentially a dual biography of the much-celebrated Jackie Cochran and the lesser-known Jerry Cobb, both of whom were involved in what has been referred to as the Mercury 13 in other places, so 13 women who successfully completed the physical testing for the space program in the 1960s. And everything that I've read uh, up until this book kind of presented these women as a group and this testing as a program, Um, and it was interesting in this book to discover that that really wasn't a clear representation of what was going on, and so we talk about that a little bit in this clip, but more importantly, I think this part of our conversation kind of highlights this question of expectations, which is the question that I open with, You know, this testing, um, and as we read in Bev Weintraub's Wings of Gold, about the first six female naval aviators, these were experiments, quote unquote, to see if women could perform. So the first women who were allowed into naval flight training were there as an experiment. And in this case, these women, they were doing these physical tests to just see how women might respond in a space environment. And so that's the perspective from the leadership. But from the individual's perspective, who is given this opportunity to prove themselves in a given context, and then they do prove themselves, is it reasonable for them to expect that they're going to be given the same opportunities that other people who have successfully completed these tests or programs have been given. There's a lot more to the story, of course, but I just want to say that I really empathized with Jerry Cobb in her sort of zealous and passionate pursuit of this opportunity. And I was equally thrilled when Wally Funk finally had the opportunity to go into space after so many years of fighting these battles. You know, you get into, um, well, you basically present the story about Jerry randomly being on the beach and running into Dr. Loveless, like this is like a random meeting where he's like, oh, hey, come on down and I'll test you for the astronaut thing and see how you do. And she's like, okay. And then she does it and she does well. Yeah. So do you, and then she continues to have other opportunities for further testing She also creates opportunities for psychological testing Mm -hmm. on her own, independent of this sort of bubble that they're working in. Based on all that, um, do you think that her expectations were appropriate based on her experience in the moment? Do you think that she had the right to feel like she had an opportunity in space?
1: I think, I think, and here's, here's where I feel like I just got to say up front. um, She wrote Jerry, both Jerry and Jackie wrote two memoirs. And that's kind of where I got the bulk of their story and tried to fill it out with as many other primary sources I could find. And I know we'll probably talk about that in a little bit, but um, it's really hard because Jerry's version is is almost too idealized to be real. And there's questions of whether or not, you know, that's how that happened. But regardless of like whether she was invited or whether she sought out the opportunity to test at the Lovelace Center, um, you know, she did. And she did, you can't really pass a medical test. So she did well. Um, I think she believed that she had a better chance than she really did. I think she, she felt that because she'd done well and that because she had succeeded as a pilot, you know, she was, she was a a career pilot already before she was 20, you know, she was really making it work for herself. And I think that because she'd been able to kind of find these opportunities, put herself out there, really get, get what she wanted from a job that this was kind of the next logical progression for her. So I think that that what she was experiencing and the way she was kind of going going about it, I think she believed she had a much better chance at actually getting into space than she really did. I think there were factors at play that she either wasn't fully aware of or failed to totally consider the ramifications of that meant that she wasn't nearly as close to her goal as she thought she was. And.
0: You know, she wasn't the only one obviously wrapped up in this. There were these other women who yeah. successfully completed these physical tests, and I could see how, in their isolation, they would have very little understanding of what exactly was going on or yeah. what to expect. And then all of these letters—oh my goodness! Oh my God, all the letters jockeying for position, power, both between yeah. Jerry and Jackie was incredible and very illuminating oh my goodness um but I can yeah. see like if I were on the receiving end of those I would be like what's going on mm-hmm. uh, who's in charge mm-hmm. what exactly is going on I thought I just did like a physical test and now you know I'm gonna be going to the moon next like what
1: yeah like, talk about that a little it's bit. it's um and I'll tell you when I found the this this folder this Massive folder of letters in the archives. I I yelled in this quiet reading room at the Eisenhower Library, just like, oh, and then looked around, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like kept photographing everything. Fantastic. Um, because I like I said, I wanted the women to speak for themselves. And that allowed me to let them have their own words. But um, yeah, it was a mess. It like to, to put it bluntly, that program was a hot mess of not even really being a program. So what you know, Jerry took some tests and Dr. Lovelace really wanted to understand, you know, was she exceptional? Were women just good? Because there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of testing about the physicality and, and the mental fortitude of female pilots like there was for men. So you know, for him, it was a medical curiosity. He was kind of excited about the idea of kind of pushing them forward. Jerry thought that because they had, she had, you know, the NASA physician who was not a NASA physician on her side, that it was going to mean something. So, but then Randy Lovelace is this, you know, old friend of Jackie's. They were very close. The, the Lovelaces and the Cochran, Odlum Coch- Odlam clan, they were very close. Uh, Randy Lovelace's daughter was actually named Jackie. So, you know, that's the closeness of the families. Um, so, you know, he was also consulting Jackie because she was the most experienced female pilot in the country and a great resource for him. So you end up with this really weird situation where the women were never, never all together as a group. These 13 women that did the medical test, they never all met by the time they met in the nineties, a couple of them had already passed. They never got together as a group. They didn't have this, this like, you know, Sisterhood of the Divine Traveling Space Pants or whatever that movie is, they they were really going, you know, one here, they got a letter from this person, they got another letter from this person. They, you know, two of them crossed paths, they changed notes, but they didn't all get the same information. I, I, I had got emails from a couple of women and, and did speak to one one of the women. And she said, you know, if you if you were there when, um, when Randy Lovelace was there, you felt like it was a real program. But if you were there when he wasn't there, you felt like you were just doing a physical. So the information and the experiences they were getting differed from woman to woman. And then as they wrote each other letters, as they got letters from Jackie, Jerry, and Randy, it all became this, this mess of not being on the same page. And it ended up being that the women kind of, you know, Some of them didn't want to give up what was at the time a very rare and a very lucky career as a professional pilot to take a chance on something that was not a sure thing being space they wanted. They didn't wanna leave their jobs to do this testing. Some of them were willing to give it up completely for a shot just to see. So they couldn't even get all on the same page in what they wanted to see happen next. And it became this really, really messy thing where there, there was no unity, there was no group goal. And um, as Jerry kind of pushed her issue into the public and you know, as she was profiled in, in newspapers, she took her all the way to, to a congressional subcommittee hearing. A lot of the women did, weren't happy with her as their, her, the self-appointed spokesperson. They, they were upset that she was speaking for them without their, their permission and their consent. So it, there were, were fractures within this group that were being presented to the public and have been presented to the public as this unified group. And they weren't at all.